Hello and welcome to Ag PhD Radio. I am Brian Hefty, live in the Morton studio. Today it's Farmer Friday. We would love to hear from you. Our phone lines will be open all throughout the show today, 844-44-AG-PHD. That's 844-442-4743. Or send us an email, radio at agphd.com. We're going to get to the Ag PhD mailbag in just a minute here. I would tell you, I, just to give you a quick update on things that are going on in my region of the United States, we farm in southeast South Dakota. The weather's been beautiful. So at this time of year, the normal high temperature is a little over 40 degrees, and we've been around 60, and we're going to be 60-plus or around that for the next few days. So I'm super excited. The frost is starting to come out of the ground. We've actually been spraying in the mornings when the ground is harder, and then when the ground is thawing during the day, then the chemical that we're spraying, the herbicide we're spraying, attaches itself to soil. It's a great way to spread the workload out and get better performance out of our herbicide. I'm looking forward to when the frost comes out because when it does, then we're going to start spreading urea and tilling. Right after that, we've got a few fields where we do tillage and we are going to spread urea. And I'm sure you're aware of this, but with urea, you got about 48 hours after you spread it with no stabilizer to get it tilled into the soil. If you do that, you shouldn't have loss or the loss is inconsequential. Loss really starts for the most part with urea after about 48 hours. So either you've got to get rain or you got to till it in. Well, for us in total, since July 5th last year, we've had four inches, five inches of total precip. That's it. So it's very, very little. So I'm not counting on a whole bunch of rain to wash this nitrogen in. We're going to have to do some tillage. All right, let's get to the Ag PhD mailbag. It's the mailbag! First question comes from Matt. He says... Uh, hi, we did one acre grids in the fall, and we always knew that there were places of high calcium, but we never realized it was this high. So I'm glad I did the one acre grids. Anyway, I was at the Neil Kinsey Clinic last week and talked to Neil about putting as much elemental sulfur on as we could afford. Um, what do you think about that? What do you think about using something like extricate in these high calcium areas to try to get some nutrients available? Uh, what, what are your suggestions looking at our soil tests? Okay. So the first thing that I, I, I would say is when you listen to a speaker like Neil Kinsey, who's going to spend probably a full day just talking about calcium and magnesium, it, it starts a person thinking like, oh my goodness, that's important. I better focus on that first. But even Neil will say, look, do not focus on calcium and magnesium first. Focus first on NP and K. And the thing I would say, Matt, is your nitrogen is really low, which I mean, for everybody, it's going to be going into the year, I'm sure. Uh, but your phosphorus is really, really low and your potassium is really, really low. So that's where the dollars should go first. And then beyond that, uh, we got to look at, hey, we do have some low pH where we're down in the fives. Got to get a little lime out there. We have low zinc. Uh, two parts per million or less. We have low copper. We're at one part per million or less in a bunch of spots. We have low boron. We're at one part per million or even way less in some spots. We have very low sulfur. So honestly, what I have found is I don't focus that much on the calcium and magnesium. That to me and on our farm and in our experience working with farmers has not paid off as well as making sure we have the other nutrients out there. Now, I'm not saying it isn't good to try to get the calcium-magnesium thing right, but I am saying take care of all the other nutrients. The other thing that I would tell you is when I look at your soil test, there aren't 
I mean, there are some spots where the calcium is ridiculously high. Here, let me just give you an example because I realize this is terrible radio that I'm giving you right now for all our listeners. But uh, calcium, 93.8%, magnesium, 5.2%, and potassium, 0.9% on the base saturation test. At a minimum, potassium needs to be 4%. Magnesium needs to be around 10%. Those are the minimums. So right there... That tells me that I've got a real good opportunity for something like KMAG to pay. In the same area, we have a 7.9 pH and only 13 parts per million on an Olson phosphorus test. So you can see what I'm talking about with the potassium and the phosphorus are just really, 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 really low. And then same spot, I've got 7 parts per million of sulfur, 1.4 parts per million of zinc, 8 parts per million of iron. I've got 0.7 parts per million of copper and 1.3 parts per million of boron. So you need everything. And I, I hate it when I have to tell a person that because they go, oh my goodness, how am I going to afford all this? Well, <laughs> I don't know what your financials look like, but I'm just telling you, in time, you need to work on building that. Now, if you rent the ground, then you need to have a discussion with the landlord. And I would also say banding fertilizer is really going to pay for you. But yeah, if you're going to work on building the soil profile, then you got to somehow get a payback on that, have a long-term lease or get reimbursed by the, the landowner or something. All right, next one comes from Matt, and I answered Matt's question yesterday about some of his soil where he has high sodium, high magnesium. His follow-up here is, uh, he says, I, I just wanted you to know the sulfur content in my ground, because Brian mentioned that yesterday, uh, is 750 to 1300 parts per million. He says, so I'm guessing I should just focus on tiling. Okay, let me give you, I'll tell you what I said yesterday, if you weren't listening to our show yesterday, where he's got high sodium and high magnesium. I, and he, his question was, should he throw a bunch more sulfur out? And I said, well, you didn't tell me how much sulfur there was. So please tell me how much sulfur there is in the soil. When I see 750 to 1300 parts per million, let me put this in pounds for you. That means we've got 1,500 to 2,600 pounds of sulfur sitting there per acre. So my point is this. If you fix the drainage with tiling, now my hope is that some of that sulfur is going to start combining with your excess sodium and magnesium to form sodium sulfate or magnesium sulfate. And when that happens, then those are leachable. Those things are leachable. They are now salts. And when you have good drainage, if you get decent rainfall, that's going to flush out of your soil. Now, unfortunately, when you start talking eight to 12% sodium, it's gonna take years. You start talking 34 to 54% magnesium like he has, it's going to take years and years. So it's going to be a while, but tiling for now is what you got to focus on. Continue soil testing and we can play it out from there in future years. Well, stay tuned. We'll be right back after this. When it comes to competitive herbicide formulations, you know New Farm. They've been bringing growers trusted brands like Weedmaster, Patriot, and Diablo for decades, made right here in the USA. What's your favorite New Farm brand? Email it to turnuptheburn at newfarm.com and you'll be entered to win a monthly $1,000 product giveaway. In these unprecedented times, you're facing unprecedented pressure. New Farm's here to help. AgroLiquid is precision crop nutrition. That means being committed to product performance 
to research and field testing, and to superior agronomics. Most of all, AgroLiquid is committed to delivering precisely the right nutrition in the right way, including seed-safe planter plus side dress applications and foliar applications with low burn risk. AgroLiquid. Apply less. Expect more. Find a retailer at agroliquid.com. You deserve to have a building that will last for generations. With more than 110 years of experience and thousands of satisfied customers, Morton Buildings is the industry leader you can trust. Unlike other construction companies, you work with Morton Buildings craftsmen. From conception to completion, there's no better time to buy. Lock in your new building for 2020 today. Contact your local Morton sales office or visit mortonbuildings.com. A lot goes into keeping a precision operation moving. The inputs you choose have to deliver results. New Delaro Complete Fungicide from Bayer offers unmatched consistency and the most complete disease control available. Your corn and soybeans are protected and yields higher even in unpredictable conditions. With Delaro Complete, you get results you can count on to help keep your precision operation running smoothly. Always read and follow label instructions. To learn more, visit delarocomplete.us today. Welcome back to Ag PhD Radio on a Farmer Friday. I am Brian Hefty, live in the Morton studio. If you've got any questions for us or if there's anything you'd like to talk about that's happening on your farm right now, we would love to visit with you. Our number is 844-44-AG-PHD. That's 844-442-4743. Or you can send us an email, radio at agphd.com. So we are going to get to the phone lines right away. we got Jason calling in from Indiana. Jason, how are you today? I'm great. Weather's great. How are you, Brian? Fantastic. So you say the weather's great. Is the frost out yet? Not not completely. We've still got frost laws on, so we're having some issues trying to get some grain moved. But the yep. sun is shining, the snow is almost gone, and everybody's getting spring fever. Yeah, yep, I hear you. So what's next? What's going to come up here in the next couple weeks on your farm as you get ready for spring? Well, it depends on if we get any moisture, but we're hoping that we can continue with this getting the frost out of the ground and and not get too much rain and just start with with field activities whether it's strip tilling or spreading fertilizer and just just preparing ourselves for an early early spring and early planting season yeah it's funny as you say you're hoping for not too much rain i always tell people as a farmer raising the crops that we do i'm always praying for a drought to start around let's call it middle of september or so and finish up maybe early may so for us that would be perfect where i don't have the uh the moisture getting in my way and i can get out and get some work done yeah we're we're really excited i i'm hoping that we'll be able to seed some oats on our farm we just do a little bit of that but i'm hoping to next week so that would be one of the earlier times ever so i mean is are, are you do you think you're ahead of normal are you about at normal or what's it kind of look like we're ahead of normal for sure um we did a little frost seeding ourselves this morning of some oats but uh yep. you know we're we're one good rain away from being set back you know and all sure. of a sudden sitting around for for two weeks and not doing anything and then we're then we're right on schedule but yeah, we're, we're sitting around the shop today kind of looking at the list of projects and equipment that still need to get done, and it's sunshine. We're like, yeah, next week we could be doing something, and we don't have, we don't have the equipment ready yet. Like, we're, <laughs> let's, let's get moving. We're going to have a sense of urgency here, boys. 
Yeah, I, I, I agree with you. And that was one of the things that our dad always said is, you know, it's easy for everybody to work when you're going, when you're rolling, you know, I mean, harvest, planting, everything. He said, the reason why I'm yelling at you guys all the time is because in the off season, you're slacking off. So you got to keep pushing it all the time. And I, I just think back to my dad yelling at me in the off season, like, oh, let's go. And I'm going, dad, it's, there's a blizzard outside. What's my rush? He's like, oh, spring always yeah. comes sooner than you think. So let's get going. So yeah. anything new and different you're you're doing on your farm this year yeah we're, we're gonna continue trying new products and, and we've been tissue sampling and we're still trying to evaluate that and develop plans to address the the deficiencies that we've been seeing over time and, and how we're going to do that and deliver it and uh it's just it just takes a lot of work to kind of put all those plans together and what products you want to use and, and how you're going to address those things. I agree with you 100%. What nutrients specifically have you been running short of? For us, it seems like zinc and manganese yep. are, are a challenge amongst the other things to keep those at, at levels that we're, we're trying to. But over the past few years, zinc and manganese and boron are three that just always show up in the deficiency what category. It, what have you done to fix the zinc issue? Well, we haven't fixed it yet. Um, well, to get better anyway, we, what are you doing? Yeah. Well, we, so we've put, we've used Inferro. We've spread some dry. Uh, we've done some foliar, which is my least favorite. That's yep. just sort of like some rescue treatments. Agreed. And we're, we're looking, we've tried some products in our dry strip till and have been disappointed with that. Uh, don't know why we weren't seeing some results there, but uh, we're going to try to just add some zinc in many different forms, whether it's an EDTA chelate inferro, or we're going to try uh, to get some liquid in our by two as well, and every maybe oh, I think on as well. Oh, we lost you for a second there. But yeah, so I, I will just tell you this, Jason. We used to have the same kind of issues you're talking about with zinc. We went to spreading everything broadcast with zinc sulfate, and we have fixed pretty much all our zinc problems now. In fact, we went a little too far in some fields where we had a couple spreader issues. And so we've been tracking phosphorus to zinc ratios, and we, we got to have that right. That's one of, That was one of the biggest things for us. But yeah, we totally fixed our zinc problems, zinc sulfate super cheap broadcast and I'm not saying don't you know discontinue what you're doing in furrow because that is also a good idea to supplement but yeah I hear you when you're short on zinc just in in furrow is not enough so we've had the same exact experience you have hey uh, Jason we got to run but thanks a lot for the call really appreciate it best of luck to you this spring thank you all right let's go next out to the state of Wisconsin we got Joe on with us hey Joe how are things for you today Pretty good. How are you today, Brian? Great. You got good weather out there too. Oh yeah, it's uh, it's perfect weather for melting snow. Uh, highs have been in in, uh, in the forties, and then cool off at night to uh, you know down twenties or on twenty. And uh, so we haven't had any runoff yet from uh, any snow melt. Okay. It's all going the ground. So sure, that's always a good thing. Yep, that's for sure. So, do you have any crops that you want to seed early, or is corn the first thing you'll do on your farm? Typically, I go out and plant some beans first. Really? How early? Just do uh, um, 
as early as the soil conditions allow me. So I'm hoping 10th of April, 10th to 15th. Have you ever had beans planted that early freeze off? I had to go and touch up some low spots. Uh, sure. Just uh, one year of all the, and I've been doing it for 10 to 15 years. So oh, wow. risk is worth the reward. Yep. Yep. So what do you say, get some of your beans out early. What do you do? A little bit of beans, then you go to corn, then you go back and finish beans or how do you do it? Well, I personally, I go out and get the beans started. I don't plant most of my beans and then I go to planting corn and I have uh, yep. somebody else come in and, and plant the beans. So then I'm very confident that everything's set right. And, uh, Everything should be going in the ground the way I had it set. Yep. So that's so, kind of a peace of mind. So I, I can only assume that you're planting the beans early because you think it is, or you're seeing actual yield increases from it. Are you seeing any other differences in the beans? Are they shorter or taller? Are they thicker or bushier? Or are they thinner? I mean, are you seeing any differences because you've planted early? Yes. I, well, Getting earlier flowering for one, um, and of course the earlier flowering you can get, uh, the more pods it should put on by theory. But and uh, yeah, I'm happy with yields and uh, and bushing, and uh, of course with water hemp and other challenging weeds we've got, uh, the quicker we can get canopy, the better off we are. Yep, that is for sure. What row spacing are you using? I actually drill mine seven and a half. Oh, oh, seven and a half. <laughs> yeah, we're we're yeah. rolling here, and I don't like. Uh, that's one of the reasons I do it uh, for erosion control, yep. uh, having those plants spaced out, and uh, not uh, anytime you uh, you can cover more dirt, the better off you are. How about white mold? For a lot of us here in the northern part of the United States, we have a lot of white mold issues in soybeans. Are you not running into that in your drilled beans? Uh, we've done some side by sides before, just. 30 inch and drilled and uh it uh wasn't enough of a difference sure. uh, we had white mold in both so yep yep uh, it, but it, i do cut back population too and in, in uh, any white mold uh if there's any occurrence or bottom ground stuff like that i will cut back and uh just so i space plants out a little farther. Yeah, it's one of the weird things. We started doing some of that years ago, too. And, you know, in corn, where you have good ground, you plant it thicker. With soybeans, when you have good ground, you plant it thinner. It's just, it's the exact opposite. It's weird, but it does seem to work. Hey, uh, Joe, thanks a lot for the call today. And uh, we're certainly wishing you the best here going into the 2021 planting season. Okay. All right, today it is Farmer Friday. We would love to hear from you. Our phone lines are open all throughout the show today. The number is 844-44-AG-PHD. That's 844-442-4743. Or send us an email, radio at agphd.com. Stay tuned. We're going to get right back to the phone lines after this. Give your corn a strong defense against stress throughout the season with MycoApply Indoprime SC. MycoApply Indoprime SC uses four specially selected species of mycorrhizal fungi to protect your crop against stress. That means more access to water and key micronutrients while building a healthy soil structure for stronger crops for years to come. Stronger corn starts beneath the surface. Learn more about MycoApply Indoprime SC at IndoprimeCorn.com. Always read and follow label instructions. 
It's about time. Time for unprecedented season-long foliar disease protection. Formulated for a convenient at-plant application, new first-of-their-kind Infero Zyway brand fungicides deliver complete inside-out protection from day one. From root to tassel, stalk to leaf. From planting through harvest. The active ingredient, Flutriophol, moves from the soil through your plants as your corn grows. Change the way you approach foliar disease protection from the start with first-of-their-kind Infero Zyway 3D and Zyway LFR fungicides, available only from FMC. Zyway brand fungicides qualify for the exclusive agronomic and economic incentives of the FMC Freedom Pass program. Visit your FMC retailer or zyway.ag.fmc.com to learn more. Always read and follow all label directions. You're all set with the 4x4 turbo diesel truck. How about some options? Spray and bed liner? Absolutely. Tailgate step and nerf bars? Gotta have them. Tie down hooks and stainless steel toolbox? You know it. Tinted windows? Of course. Options are good. That's as true in the field as it is with your pickup. In addition to taking care of tough weeds, new Open Sky Herbicide gives you more rotational choices than ever before and an easy-to-handle formulation. <laughs> Gooseneck toe package? Yep. Discover more Open Sky details at OpenSkyHerbicide.com. With stronger bean prices ahead, don't let white mold reduce your yield and profits again this year. Contans WG reduces sclerotia in your fields, eliminating white mold at the source. White mold was a major problem in 2019, costing soybean farmers valuable yield potential. As you rotate back into those white mold infected areas this spring, protect yourself by applying Contans. Clean your soils and return lost yield potential to every soybean you plant with Contans WG. Did you know soybean diseases like white mold and sudden death syndrome can survive in your soil even after rotating crops? Prevention of these diseases is a constant battle and yield loss from an infection can be devastating. The right management plan makes all the difference. Keep your beans safe this spring with Heads Up Seed Treatment. Heads Up guards your seed from both white mold and SDS. Stay protected and profitable by asking your seed dealer for Heads Up. Learn more at HeadsUpST.com. Thanks for listening today to Ag PhD Radio. I am Brian Hefty, live in the Morton studio. It's a Farmer Friday, so we are taking phone calls all throughout the show. We're going to go next to Illinois. we got Grant calling in. Hey, Grant, what's going on today? Oh, it's a nice day here in central Illinois. I listen to you guys often. I'm just going to comment that I think farmers uh, generally, they hit the big picture pretty good, but they miss the fine artwork when, the, when they're finishing it up. Uh, they don't pay enough attention to the micronutrients and the vitamin packs when they're spraying and just just the, the other little things that cost four or five bucks an acre but make three or four bushels and when you got high high prices it makes a lot of makes a lot more sense and even when you have low prices you need you need the most bushels possible and when you miss those little those little things coming up through uh it, you're, you're, you're leaving money on the table, and everybody, you know, I hear it all the time. We're in the commercial business, and I hear it all the time. Oh, you know, I can't afford that extra 10 bucks an acre. Well, that extra 10 bucks an acre probably, even in low market prices, probably gives you a return of three or four times that. I'll take that so, one step further for you, too, Grant. 
we farm in South Dakota where quite often it's very yep. dry. And a lot of people will say, well, I don't have the moisture. And so I, I just, I can't spend much. And I agree. You got to control your expenses. But by the same token, we know it's a fact that if there is balanced fertility out in the soil, the plant will use less total moisture because when it starts to run short on any one nutrient, it's going to pull more moisture. And even if it doesn't need the moisture, because that's how the nutrients come in. So yeah, right. it, it's, it's important to focus on all this stuff. And um, you know, when, when you say farmers make these mistakes, I think all of us are guilty of, hey, we're leaving dollars on the table somehow, some way. It's hard. I, I mean, we're, we fall into the same we thing, are. too, when there are so many things to do. And what do you focus on? And it's always a little bit of a guessing game as to, well, what's the year going to bring? And, you know, are we going to get that extra rain? Is the price going to go up a little bit? I mean, if we look at last summer, there are a lot of people, ourselves included, that looked at the crop prices and we go, huh, this is going to be a lousy year. And we held on to most of our crop until January. And in January, we were going, boy, I wish we had a few more bushels to sell. And I wish we could go back and make some different decisions in the summer. So it's always going to be a challenge. But I I hear you 100%. Uh, Grant, you know, and and that's why we do our show is just we're talking about, okay, there are things you can do to increase yield, but also we got to try to figure out, all right, at what point does it make money? At what point does it not? But yes, I mean, for years as farmers, and I grew up, uh, you know, on the farm in FFA classes, ag classes, in high school, college, everything else, and it's NPK, NPK, and there's, in my opinion, not enough focus on all the other things. So that's why we do spend as much time on it as we do. So anyway, thanks for the call, Grant. You appreciate know, it. I, Go ahead. Well, I appreciate I appreciate uh, your your interest in your the time you spend on soil tests and getting soil levels up to certain certain levels. Here where we're at, it's mostly sandy sand loam. It's mostly sure. all irrigated. Uh, build up. I mean, in the heavy bottoms, yes, you can get build up, but typically build up's not. You're not going to get it. What you know, P N P N and P leach away, and you know you don't you don't hold all the sulfur either. So, uh, you know, we do do a lot of soil testing to see where we're at. But more importantly, we're fertilizing. We're fertilizing for the crop. You know, we're, we're fertilizing for the yield. And we're not putting it all on at once. We're spoon feeding it. We're strip right. tilling. We're yep. fertigating. We're side dressing. I mean, we're put. We're 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 spreading post emergence fertilizer when at side dressing time or forty five days after beans are have emerged. I mean, we're, we we do a lot of things, and those things are all important and they're right. But if you miss some of these other other elements coming along, you. you you let you left way too much out there. Yep, and that was kind of my point too. You listed a whole bunch of jobs there, and there are obviously a lot more than that. But you think about how much work it is today in farming, and how much work it is to raise, call it 250 bushel corn versus what it was back when I was a kid, when it would have been 150 bushel corn, and you would have been smiling all the way to the bank with that. Well, if you're you know, gonna, if we're all gonna keep getting better, it's just more work, and we're all trying to figure out how do we manage all that and and learn more and everything else. So, yep, always a challenge, and that's why not everybody's a farmer. Hey, uh, Grant, great call. Really appreciate it, and uh, thanks a lot. You're welcome. All right, we're going to go down to Nebraska next. we got Todd on with us. Hey, Todd, how are you doing? I'm doing fine today or so. Excellent. So uh, I hear you're looking for some tips on growing Milo. 
Yeah, it's my first time ever growing my lawn. Growing every other crop anymore, but uh, <laughs> so I need the cliff note version. Yeah. What, so, what seeds? How many seeds? What's population? Uh, that's a good question. I, 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 I. You know, I, I hear eight to ten pounds. Yeah, I, I, I'll tell you what. Eighty thousand seeds. <laughs> All right. Um, what what I may have to do, Todd, is uh, get back to you on some of these things because I want to look at your area, and I'll, I'll I'll just tell you this. So the the first thing that I would say is fertility is always important for every crop, and that's what we're going to be looking at with the Milo thing too. So on our farm, we've barely ever raised Milo, yet we've been fortunate that the the crop that we've raised has been really good because we've done it on tiled land that was heavy, where we had really good levels of fertility and had the soil pretty well balanced. So that's the first thing that I would say. The next thing is you got to really focus on weed control because we don't have nearly as many options as we do in corn and soybeans. And also, you can't go out there with high rates of dicamba. In Milo, you can only use a half a pint of clarity. So, I mean, that's one that's been one of the most popular herbicides for Milo. Yet, I often tell guys, look, you know, anymore, a lot of these weeds just don't die with a half a pint of clarity. So, if it was me, I would probably switch to something else. So, usually what we're talking to guys about, and it all depends on what weeds you're after, is either putting something like Outlook or Dual or, or even Verdict down. Verdict has some sharpen in it it'll give you extra broadleaf control and you have to make sure that your milo is is uh it's got it's safened so in other words your seed has to be concept treated or something similar so that's another really big thing and then post-emerge we usually talk husky because you got two different modes of action in there in hppd and buckdrill and then beyond that it's should you possibly do a fungicide? Should you spray an insecticide? And the the problem with Milo is it's just like corn. A lot of times we get done spraying the herbicide and because nobody else is doing a whole lot of things, we say, well, I guess we're done. So we've done some foliar feeding where we do foliar nutrients later. We've definitely been spraying insecticide because there are a lot of bugs that show up and we're usually throwing about one pass of fungicide on there too. I mean, only spending maybe five or eight bucks an acre, not a lot, but still those things have all helped for us. So those are probably the biggest things I would throw out there. You know, off the top of my head, I, I don't know what to tell you for your area exactly on seeding rate, but I'll, I'll get back to you on that. I'll, I'll, I'll check for your area and what, what, you know, somebody else thinks is the best because I'm, I'm not the expert for your area on Milo seeding rate. Okay. I'll hit you with a couple of short questions. Sure. The seed. Yes. Concept. Yep. Treated. Definitely. Going to use bicep, probably go old school, but they, you can get fungicide and insecticide on the seed. Yep. I also have a tumbler. Yep. Which we do our own beans with. Yep. It, but this is like 60 bucks a bag for the treatment, which seems extremely high for insecticide and fungicide on the seed. How that, important is it on the seed of a Milo? <laughs> we are big I mean, believers. You know, on my beans, yep. given, I wouldn't have one out of the shed that it didn't have it on it. Yeah. But, yeah. We're, yeah. We're big believers in seed treatment. I, I'm with you. That sounds like an exorbitant price to me. Uh, so I, I, if I, if it was me, I would probably talk to a few other dealers in my area and see if I could come up with something else. I will also tell you, we've used some biological products on our Milo. Uh, you know, the, the products we've used have included 
uh, heat shield, NutraCycle, Boost 10. I mean, there are a bunch of different biologicals out there. It's another thing you can talk to your local dealers about. But yeah, it's important. But by the same token, I you can only afford so much. And then what are you going to get for a gain? So I, I don't know at 60 bucks a bag, but I do know there are treatments out there that are less expensive. Um, hey, Todd. One we, last question. Oh. If you plant it too thick, will it fall over? Okay, I'll tell you what, uh, we're going to answer that question right after this. Stay tuned. This is Ag PhD Radio. Precision crop nutrition pays. And AgroLiquid has precisely what it takes to help you succeed. The right products plus the right expertise to give you guidance based on your soils, your fields, and your goals. While our clean, seed-safe formulations and lower application rates make planter fertilizer easier than ever. AgroLiquid. Apply less. Expect more. Find a retailer at agroliquid.com. Heat, drought, wind, hail, northern corn leaf blight, gray leaf spot. If your corn is under stress, you are too. Get Veltima fungicide, swift activity, with fast payback, an expanded application window, makes life simple and it's a secure choice with powerful residual for visibly healthier corn swift simple secure veltima fungicide call your basf rep today always read and follow label directions veltima fungicide is not registered in all states customer service goes a long way when trying something new ryan shaw from michigan shares how soil warrior helped him transition to strip tillage in his operation the Soil Warrior guys, they are amazing to work with. They made this jump in this transition extremely painless. It, one question that I get all the time is, how is the service and everything? And I said, well, actually, I get better service from them than I typically do my dealers uptown. They're just amazing. More info at SoilWarrior.com. You're looking for soybeans that give you the yield you want. But when it comes to fighting your toughest weeds, you also need flexibility. Introducing Extend Flex Soybeans, Elite Genetics, with triple tolerance to dicamba, glyphosate, and glufosinate. The yield you want, the choice you need. Learn more at extendflexsoy.com. Always read and follow IRM where applicable, grain marketing, and all other stewardship practices and pesticide label directions. You need a powerful herbicide to fight the war on weeds. Vellum is Rotam North America's mesotrion herbicide, and it fights against the annual broadleaf weeds attacking your cornfields. Winning this battle means higher yields, lower cost to you, and maximized profitability. For long-lasting residual weed control, check out Evinco, Vilify, and our newest mix, Rixa. For application, flexibility, and season-long control, that's Evinco, Vilify, and Rixa, powered by Bellum. For more information, visit bellumherbicide.com. That's B-E-L-L-U-M herbicide.com. As a little girl, I always wanted to run the combine because it meant I was helping dad. And dad always said, farmers are helpers. I'm teaching that to my daughters, that farmers help our family, our neighbors, and our community. It's what I do at work. I help farmers get the equipment they need. My name is Kim. I'm a farmer, and I work for Case IH. Case IH, built by farmers. Welcome back to Ag PhD Radio. I'm Brian Hefty, live in the Morton studio. Right before the break, we were talking to Todd down in Nebraska who had questions about Milo. And Todd, thanks for holding on. Really appreciate that. During our very short break, 
Um, I got a couple answers for you, too, on seeding rate. What's typically recommended in your area of Nebraska is somewhere in that 70 to 75,000 seeds per acre. I also talked to our Ag PhD research lead who uh, was all on board with that for your particular area. So I feel pretty good about that. That's probably where I would be. The other thing that I I wanted to come back to, because I I mentioned herbicides to you, but I forgot to tell you about grass control in Milo. You really only have one post-emerge option, and that's Facet L. used to be called Paramount from BSF. And Anyway, the reason why that's important to know is you want to make sure you have a decent rate of a pre-emerge herbicide. So you're talking about bicep. Just just make sure you're not getting skimpy on the rate because all of a sudden you get some grass coming. Well, grass can really hurt the yield on the milo. And then you'd ask about lodging a little bit too. So uh, your, your concern was if you seed it too thick, you would have more lodging. Was that it? Yes. How high? I talked to some people, and they said the heads will, and it'll fall over if you get the population too high. Yes, but that's really dependent on soil fertility. So how high are your potassium levels in the soil? Do you know? I can't answer that question. Okay, so what we're typically... I've only had the, I've had the farm one year. I've got soil samples. Sure. I my pickup. I did not have it. Sure, yeah, I got you. Well, let's put it this way. Without good potassium levels, then you got to cut back on the population. If you have really good potassium levels along with copper and manganese, those are the three key nutrients for standability, potassium, copper, manganese, then you can go with a little higher population. We've done as high as 90,000 seeds per acre on our farm, and it's been just fine. Had no lodging issues whatsoever, but we also had 5 or 6% base saturation potassium and good levels of copper and manganese. So if you're down in the, let's call it 2% or maybe 3% range for potassium and you've got low levels of copper and manganese, then yeah, you want to definitely cut back and you might even go as low as 60,000 or 65,000 seeds per acre or something like that just to uh, make sure you don't have any big issues. Okay. All right. I will take a look at that and judge accordingly. I have one more question. Sure. And I can't remember the date, which I will then look up. You guys are having a tiling clinic? Yeah, we, yep, we are. Yep, it's March 16th. So if, uh, yep, March 16th. So if you want to come in person, we are limiting attendance, but we actually uh, have some space available yet. We got a great big facility and we'll have equipment and and good speakers and everything else. So yeah, we'll talk start to finish on tiling and anything, any possible question you could ever have about tiling, we would cover it that day. So what time does that start? Uh, it's on our website at agphd.com. Off the top okay. of my head, I don't remember if it's 9 or 9.30, something like that. 9 or 9.30 in the morning. Uh, but, yeah, the information's on agphd.com. I, I, yeah, I, I apologize. Normal, normally I remember exactly what we're doing for times, but I don't on this particular one. I, I do know it's going to be a lot of fun, and I just have to show up and speak. So, <laughs> anyway, uh, it should be good, and you hope to see you there. You've got to know when to show up. <laughs> <laughs> yep. All, early's always better, Todd. Early's always better. <laughs> All right. Thanks Thank for the you. call. You bet. Let's go next down to Kentucky. We got Wesley calling in. Wesley, how are things going on your farm today? Oh, they're going good. How are y'all? Excellent. So, are you farming yet down there? Well, uh, no. We've we've caught quite a bit of rain. Okay. The past week, and uh, that we had some some substantial flooding in some areas. Uh, oh, wow. It was a pretty good soak, soak, soaker, but uh. We've have a uh, probably ten days of clear weather, so hopefully by the uh, towards the end of the week we should be able to get out in the field a little bit. But we're 
we're knocking on spring, so it, it'll be be here before we know it. So, do you have winter wheat growing right now on your farm? Well, we that's pretty our main main crop. We do mostly uh, wheat and double crop beans, and uh, I just do a, a few acres of corn just to try to get a little rotation. Sure. Uh, but mainly, mainly wheat for the we we do a lot of straw. Yep. So how how's that crop looking coming out of the winter? Uh, pretty good. The earliest stuff I had planted in the fall is uh, has been had looked great all winter long. It's these past few sunny days, it's, everything's really started to jump and yep. just put the first shot of nitrogen on it, and that uh, changed the game. And it, it it's looking really good. So what will you do next with that wheat? What's the next treatment that will get on there this spring? Uh, we're actually, I'm looking to get out in the field hopefully Monday to do some uh, spraying uh, with uh, some herbicide and probably a little fungicide. Sure. So uh, Insecticide as well. Yep. So what's your main weed issue that you'd have in your small grain? We have a terrible issue with uh, cheat and rye. Yep. And it's been very problematic these past, well, probably the past five years. I've just had a, where we don't have much rotation, uh, it has been a real issue trying to keep all that stuff under control. Uh, but I've actually started doing a bunch of y'all the trees on like soybean and stuff, and that's helped tremendously. Three prees on soy? Get that, get yeah. Pre- yeah, and that that seems to help suppress it a little bit when you put the put the uh, wheat crop out there. It, it yep. hasn't been as bad, but uh, it's still an issue. So, what what are you using in wheat to control cheat and rye? Anything here lately? Well, I think I've never heard of this chemical. My crop consultant just told me about a Tarzac. I don't know if y'all have ever heard of it. Uh, I haven't heard of it until just the other day, but he recommended it uh, to try to try to help with it. We've also used like Culex and Harmony, uh, but it it seems it seems like everything we try to throw at it, it still finds a way to come through. Yeah, um, for us, what we have typically recommended to a lot of guys is. Power Flex, and you know that's been that's right, yes. yeah that that's been pretty good. This Tarzek that you're talking about, it basically is Power Flex plus it's Arlex, right. so it's kind of a two four D replacement type of product. So yeah, I I, I mean you it same yes it, it's not perfect, but it definitely helps. And I would say we've seen better results when that's been sprayed in the fall as opposed to in the spring. In the spring, it's hard because I'm with you. That cheat and rye, it's now established most of the time and it, it, it it's tough. You know, when you start thinking about how do you take a grass out of a grass crop, you got to have just the right <laughs> yeah, herbicide, yeah. you know, not to kill right. that weed or hurt that weed. So no, I, I, I feel for you on that. So yeah, it, I just want to fill the sprayer up with Roundup and go to town, but I know I can't do it. <laughs> yes. Uh, yeah, I, I've been there before. So uh, as far as your soybeans, when you start thinking about your soybeans here this summer, will you raise extend beans or enlist beans? Have you decided yet which direction you're going? Uh, I will. Probably I have a bunch of uh, uh, STS beans where I 
put uh sprayed the harmony on uh my wheat ground sure I'm, is it harmony yep. uh where i have yeah i've got quite a bit of those uh just to, just to help with that cheat and rye problem uh and i will probably be doing a bunch of uh extend beans as well sure Yep. Yeah, I was just wondering, we're seeing a lot of people switch over to Enlist now, but it really varies from area to area in the country. Uh, so post-emerge then in your soybeans, are you still seeing any of the cheater rye left after you've put the pre down? Because um, you, you talk about spraying post-emerge. I, I mean, aren't, aren't you getting it pretty well cleaned up in those beans? Yeah, yes. After after we get the weed off of and spray the burn down and the three freeze and uh, it's usually after that it's usually not much of an issue. Yeah. Yep. It's Our, just uh, when it when it heads out right as we're having to you know harvest. So oh, it's yeah. just a never ending battle. Yep. Yep. All right. Well, hey, Wesley, thanks a lot for calling in today. We appreciate it, and best of luck with this cheat and rye issue that you got in your wheat. Hopefully, you can find something that'll solve that problem for you. No problem. Do you have time for a quick question? Uh, I'll tell you what. we got to take a quick break, and right after this, yes, uh, we got plenty of time for, for your questions. So, yeah, if you can just hang on, that'd be great. All right. Thank you. All right, again, it is Farmer Friday. If you've got a question for us, it's 844-44-AG-PHD. We'll be right back. Downtime during spraying can lead to huge yield losses. Keep rolling with the Pentair Hypro Force Field. This pump features a unique self-regulated chamber that allows the pump to run dry while eliminating cracked seals, so you can spray longer and more reliably. Learn more at pentair.com hypro. Start your crop off right with the Germinator Closing Wheel from Farm Shop MFG. Our spike design excels on variable soils and shatters compaction. Plus, the unique shoulder firmer encases a seed to maximize seed-to-soil contact. Order yours at farmshopmfg.com. We now bring you an important news bulletin. This just in from Live Action News. Innovation has come to the world of burndown. New Elevore herbicide controls your toughest weeds, even glyphosate and ALS-resistant weeds like mare's tail and henbit. Talk with your retailer about Elevore herbicide today and ask how you can start elevating your burndown. It's not about how quickly you come out of the gate with nitrogen fertilizer, but how strong you finish the race. High Striker uses patent-pending chemistry to stabilize your nitrogen in a form that lasts longer in your crop's root zone. Because for high yields, your nitrogen must last longer, so you can finish the season stronger. Visit agrotechusa.com to learn why so many growers are going the distance with High Striker treated nitrogen. Give your corn a strong defense against stress throughout the season with MycoApply Indoprime SC. MycoApply Indoprime SC uses four specially selected species of mycorrhizal fungi to protect your crop against stress. That means more access to water and key micronutrients while building a healthy soil structure for stronger crops for years to come. Stronger corn starts beneath the surface. Learn more about MycoApply Indoprime SC at IndoprimeCorn.com. Always read and follow label instructions. Don't let resistant weeds win on your field. Herbicide-resistant weeds are a fierce competitor of corn growers. Tough 5EC, a selective contact herbicide manufactured by Belgium Crop Protection, can help. Tough 5EC synergizes HPBD inhibitors and enhances the effect of PS2 herbicides. 
Add Tough 5EC to your post-emergence tank mix team and beat resistant weeds. Ask your local retailer about Tough 5EC or visit BeltramUSA.com. Always read and follow label instructions. Wherever you go, whatever you're doing, whenever you want. Farm your way with Case IH AFS Connect. Now you can farm, share data, and manage your fleet however, whenever, and wherever you want. Learn more at caseih.com slash farmyourway. Thanks for listening to Ag PhD Radio. I'm Brian Hefty, live in the Morton studio. Right before the break, we were talking to Wesley from down in Kentucky. Wesley, you said you had a question. Uh, yes, I was uh, curious about I'm I'm trying to get my base saturation K up to around the 4% mark okay. starting out. Yep. Because uh, I heard y'all talking about, you know, base saturation. Yep. Um, so in relation to that, I know soil fertility balance is a big you know just as important what other what do i need to look out for if i'm trying to we're we're in like the one and a half two percent okay base saturation k when i start to raise that up what do i need to look out for in terms of other uh nutrients to try to keep up with that to be in balance uh not much of anything magnesium potentially but tell how high are your calcium and magnesium levels right now do you have any idea? Uh, I, yeah, I would have to look yeah, at the, the that's fine. Let's, let's put it this way. Just send me your soil tests if you want me to take a look at them. We'd be happy to do that anytime. Just radio at agphd.com. But I would say as okay. a general statement, there's nothing I'm concerned about raising my potassium from 2 to 4%. There is a, a relationship between potassium and magnesium. In most soils, we don't have a problem. As long as your magnesium is over even 10%, 10% or more, then there's no problem with having too little magnesium in relation to that potassium. So I'm not worried okay. about really anything else. Now, the other... Even up to uh, 7% or so? Even correct. Even high 7%? Base. Yep. Okay. Even, even up to that, yeah, we've got a lot of our fields now, 6 or 7%, and it's just made a world of difference for standability, grain right. quality, dry down, everything. It's been fantastic. I can't say yeah, enough that, good I'm things about it. For, yeah, I'm shooting for 7%, but uh, the pocketbook is only allowing to get to 4% here starting oh, out. Oh, I hear you, Wesley. That's, that's why on a bunch of our fields, we weren't up to that level until this fall. And this fall, when it looked like, hey, we are bone dry, like literally the driest we've been in the fall since 1976. And we saw how cheap potassium was. It's the cheapest, it's the lowest price I have paid for potash in, I don't even know how long, 15, 20 years. And I said, well, let's just, let, let's hit it hard. So we spent a bunch of money, but boy, I'm glad we did because now potash has gone up 50% since fall in our area. But anyway, right. uh, yeah, I, I wouldn't I wouldn't worry about your potassium. Just raise it; it's it's going to be good. And like I say, just send me your soil tests, and I'll sure take a look at them. All right, thanks, Brian. I appreciate it. You bet. Thanks, Wesley. Let's go next to Illinois. We got Bill calling in. Hey, Bill, how's it going today? Good. How are you guys doing? Excellent. So, what's happening on your farm right now? 
Well, you know, we're just waiting for the uh, 42 and balmy sunny right now. <laughs> waiting for the uh, drifts to melt down. But I uh, still got about two foot in my back of my house. Really? <laughs> wow. But, uh, yeah. So, no, we're, uh, you know, things are looking good. We're not uh, overly wet or anything uh, other after the snow melts. So. so, anything new and different yeah. you're doing on your farm here this spring? No, uh, not really. Other than the fact that we're going to use uh, some uh, mostly enlist beans this year, first time. Try, try, yes. Uh, you, try them out. Are you can yeah? When you say you're going to try them out, is there anything you're concerned about with the enlist bean, or you feel pretty comfortable with it? Well, you know, we've uh, used the dicamba bean yep. uh, for the last uh, two years, and that has not been successful. Other than the fact that we. Uh, have had trouble getting it applied in time, so we had to switch because we were the date was up, and then they extended it, but we'd already sprayed, so it was something else, and uh, so we're unable. You know, we we haven't actually been able to benefit from them, and we thought maybe going with the enlist bean, we'd be you know better off. So you're saying the dicamba wasn't successful? Was it just because you had to spray we, early? Yeah, we didn't get we didn't get it sprayed with dicamba. Oh, not at all. Uh, yeah. <laughs> gotcha. Now, now I follow you. We we were we yep. were terribly wet uh, in nineteen. Uh, yep. Just to ended up with we never never before had had a prevent plant uh, on our farm. Yeah. About twenty percent didn't get planted, and then last year again uh, May in our area it was the wettest May ever on record. Wow. So we just, uh, you know, it was, it's been a tough couple of years. And these are the years that, uh, we've actually, I'm, I'm retired and, uh, turned it over to our youngest daughter and uh, son-in-law. Yeah. And, uh, so they had a couple tough years to start with. Yeah. That's not fun. I, and I was just thinking about this yesterday, you know, when 2019 got done, we were like, thank goodness 2019 is done. It was so wet, terrible. And we were coming off of 2018 that wasn't good either. And then 2020 hits and then we got COVID and all these other issues. And I'm like, oh my goodness, sooner or later, we're due to have a good year. But you mentioned that enlist thing. And I, I will give you some good news with that. You'll be really happy in terms of being able to spray it. The, the product is fantastic. It just hasn't moved. We've used it for six or seven years now, way before it even got labeled. We got the opportunity to test it and work with it and everything. But that Enlist 1 is the real deal. It's not like 2,4-D at all, even though it kills the same weeds and everything, and it's technically in the same family. I mean, we just have found no volatility, virtually no drift, plus it's labeled all the way up to R2. So you can spray it into late July even, potentially, depending on how fast your beans mature. So, yeah, I can't say enough good things about that, plus the fact you can use Liberty. So like in our farm this year, we're going to use a pre, we're going to use Liberty early post, we're going to use uh, the Enlist 1 late post, and I, I mean, if we have a weed left, I'm going to be shocked. Yeah, that's good to hear. I'm, <laughs> I'm looking yep. forward to it. Yes. Yeah, it, it's it's a it's a relief after you've had to deal with the dicamba thing for a couple of years, and then you don't have to worry about drifting on the neighbors or anything else. So, uh, yeah, I, right. I, 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 I think you'll enjoy it. And we're in a kind of an urban area. We're about 60 miles southwest of Chicago, and yep. we've got a lot of subdivisions and that around us. Yep. So it'll be a little, little more 
reassuring to not have to use the dicamba. Yeah, I mean, we're in a rural area, but we're still only nine miles from the largest city in the Dakotas, so we've got a lot of those subdivision things popping up around us too, and the same type of thing you're dealing with, probably not to the degree you're dealing with it, but yes, that's always a worry, and we actually have some of these people that, you know, they just have a house out in the country. They'll literally stand outside their house the entire time we are spraying near them. So Yeah. Yeah. We've we, had people call the the FAA, you know, the Aviation Authority, because <laughs> the, the sprayers are coming down. You know, the planes are coming yeah. down low, and yeah. But, yep. Uh, yep. So, yeah. But my <laughs> other question is, uh, sure. our other one problem is is white mold. Yep. Now, you know, it doesn't hit us every year, of course, but uh, I tell you, that is one of the most devastating things uh, you can get, and it's so we still. I'm looking for that uh, perfect uh, fungicide that comes out that controls it, you know, but I think that's a, still a pipe dream, right? It is, but I will say Endura is really good. The problem with it is it's 30 bucks an acre. So yeah. here, here's what we often suggest. First of all, there, there isn't going to be one simple thing you can do, but I will tell you that the variety is a huge huge part of it so you've really got to work with seed companies and say look i got to have something that's great for white mold for me that's a big deal the next thing is white mold only typically hits in certain pockets of fields and i'm sure you have the history just like i do on our farm where we know where it's going to pop up so usually what we do is we'll invest the dollars in those spots for example we'll cut population there we will spray a little bit of cobra it only costs five bucks so we'll spray a little cobra about the middle of june or so we will spend the dollars on Endura on maybe 5% or 10% of our acres. It's those acres there. And we'll even go back with another fungicide later. So, I mean, we're doing multiple things. And by the time you do all that, um, you'll find that you can really lessen the impact of the white mall. Because we've literally had, uh, Bill, acres where we're going along and it's 90 bushel beans. That's no joke. Like average 90 and we go to zero because of white mold. And after yeah. seeing that a couple times, it's like, oh, okay, I better get serious about this thing because it is a big time killer. One last thing I'll throw out that I don't know if anybody's ever told you before, but manganese is a huge deal. So look at your soil test for manganese. If you have low levels, you want to get those up, especially in the white mold pockets. Just spend some money on manganese. It's going to cost you a little money, but so what? It's going to help your overall crop and it absolutely will help with your, your tolerance for white mold. That sounds good. All right. Well, hey, thanks for calling in today, Bill. Appreciate it. You bet. All right. See ya. Yep. Bye. All right, another Farmer Friday. I, I often hope on Farmer Fridays I'm going to have plenty of time for getting to mailbag questions. I got a big stack in front of me, and I got to like two. Uh, so we'll try again on Monday to get to more of the questions that have come in. And we do appreciate your questions. If you got more questions for us, radio at agphd.com. Uh, for now, I guess I just wanted to say thanks to my sister Janelle. She was running the controls for me today. Thanks to everybody who called in today and, and those who sent in questions as well. And thanks to you for listening. Be sure to join us again each weekday for more Ag PhD Radio.